I'm as pure as the dripping sky. Every time. Never tired of being educated. I used to work in a sex shop, you know. Oh. We're not recording, I hope. Confession later, my darling. Well, everybody, we're coming to you live from Railway uh, Park, uh, Railway Memorial Park in Bunbury, and that was Jay <laughs> just, just telling us about her past life. Um, Jay, thank you very much for that. Uh, I am joined today, of course, my name's Andrew. I'm from the Bellman Report and the host of the 8 News Show. And, well, Scotty, thank you, mate. G'day, g'day. Thank you. Um, we're, we're getting some popcorn and waters, which is very nice. Uh, of course, we're here today to, um, Scotty and I, down, Scotty from Scorpion Media and I are down here um, to visit the freedom movement in Bunbury and cover um, the rally today, which ladies, um, before I go any further, I'll introduce you all. Kathleen, how are you today? I'm excellent, thank you. Jay, I know you're well, and I know where you used to work, so um, welcome, Jay. Thank and, you. And Tracy Aiken of Gap. Yes. How are you. you? I'm great, thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's, it's an absolute pleasure. Uh, so, ladies, um, the question was getting thrown around as we were starting, what are we going to talk about today? Well, we're going to talk about you three. And, of course, you're all... Uh, involved politically or in the um, organisation of the freedom movement rallies here in Bunbury. So um, Kathleen, could we start with you? Tell me a little bit about yourself and um, what was it that made you rise up and join this movement? Um, thank you. I'm an ordained minister of religion, running my own church, little independent out at Australind. Um, and this has been lovely. I've probably done more ministering here, which has just brought a great sense of joy to me, to people. Um, what got me into this movement is right from the start, I was uncomfortable with the narrative. I was uncomfortable about the information being received about this pandemic and China's involvement, what the government intended to do. It just didn't sit right with me. And I've always been an advocate for human rights and for free will. People's, people's freedom to, to choose what they want to do. And um, can I just get you to speak directly into your microphone? Yep. Cool. Um, Kathleen, you made a speech earlier on and you talked about the people who have risen up and how they're heroes. And I believe that that is true. And I said to you, I think that you're my hero because you made a, a really deep and inspiring speech um, thank you for that. Uh, I'm surprised that um, that we don't have more people here today. Is that disappointing for you? Absolutely. Mm. But as I said in my speech, I understand human nature. Mm -hmm. um, to have a huge crowd one week and very little the next is disappointing for everybody that's involved in organising. Uh, sorry, organising the event. Um, but I have a philosophy in life that we're here to have the best life we can possibly make for ourselves without hurting another person. And we're also here to change or help change the life of one other person. Yes. And if we do something inspirational in our life that changes another person's direction, we don't even know, have to know who that person is. 
But if we go through our life as though every person we meet is that one individual that we're supposed to help, we can't fail but make change for the better. Inspiring. Jay. Yes. You're one of the organisers of this event today and you're emceeing as well. Uh, Jay, what was it that brought you to this point? Um, For me, so as we discussed the other night, um, I'm an ex-FIFO worker. Um, I had a FIFO career of 15 years, which I absolutely loved. I worked with the mob up in the Pilbara and, um, you know, when the vaccine, well, for the sake of the argument, we'll call it that, um, when it became available, you know, everyone on site, well, not I shouldn't say everyone, the bosses especially, all raced off to get it. And they kept going, you've got to get it, you've got to get it, you know what's coming, you know what's coming. And I'm like, I refuse to think that's what's coming. Anyway, come October, um, we were mandated. And I was a straight up no. I mean, we'd, you know, we'd all followed what was happening. We all felt uncomfortable with what was happening. Like Kathleen said, the narrative didn't sit right with any of us. Um, at the time, I live in Bridgetown and at the time I was spending every weekend just driving up to Perth for a Saturday rally. Used to treat it like a 12-hour shift. So I'd leave home, depending on the time of the rally, but I'd leave home about 6, 6.30 and I'd get home at 6.30 at night. People were like, you're crazy. I'm like, no, nah, it's just a 12-hour shift for me. Yeah. So that's how I treated it. Um, and then I found out about the Bunbury rally and I went, oh, that's a bit closer to home. So I started coming here. Mm. But my main, and still is right now, my my main drive is to stop these mandates. I, I'm really, really against any government telling us what we can and can't do with our body in order to make a living. Like how dare they take our livelihoods and our careers off us because we have chosen not to have this jab. Jay, I also was a flying flight worker and I experienced daily coercion combined with the threat of the, the loss of my job. And technically speaking, if you look that up, that is actually defined as torture. So no excuses to those people. Uh, Tracy, lovely to meet you once again. Um, You're running for GAP. Yes, I am. Tell me all about it. What brought you to this point? Okay, so we own our own business in the building and construction industry. And a bit like Jay, we were mandated last year. And I, it didn't sit well with me from a personal level because as a breast cancer survivor, um, I'm very careful what I put into my body. Uh, I've had a lot of chemo and radiotherapy and I still suffer the results of that today. So it wasn't an option for me. But then to be told that I had to mandate something on my employees, um, incensed me actually got me very angry but I felt like you know I need to know what my rights are so I started to do some research for myself which I think we all need to do that and I felt very strongly that the truth would set me free so that's really where my journey began of researching I've written letters to you name it every government official I can think of um And I needed to find out where our our business sat and the position that we were faced. Mm. So that's really where I also found Gap, to be honest. I happened to stumble across Rod doing one of his uh, famous Facebook Lives that he does in about October last year, I think, and it was about saving the farms. 
And I started to follow him closely and I'm like, wow, this man is the only man that makes sense. Yep. And I was following, you know, other political parties too, thinking, yay, they're awesome and whatever else. But he was the only guy that was out in the trenches helping people um, and he had a remedy that I didn't see anywhere else. And I, I started to feel... I went to the first rally. Well, it wasn't a rally, actually. It was the stand outside um, Don Punch's office here in Bunbury last year. And that was the first. I felt like a naughty little schoolgirl going because I grew up and in my family, you didn't go to rallies and things. That's what the union did. So that first day, Gary, my husband and I were like, we feel like two naughty little school kids going off to our, our first rally. But we stood there and I just felt this word politics come to me. And so from that point on, really, I just had this pull, pull to put my hat in the ring that I couldn't shake. Isn't it interesting, um, as you three ladies know, I've been running around with a microphone and camera today interviewing people. And uh, if I think back to the my life just even one year ago, uh, I can tell you right now, I think I would have almost shit myself thinking that, hey, in a year's time, you're going to be running around doing this and speaking to politicians. And I've spoken to some very prominent people as well. Uh, it, uh, for me, Tracy, was very much the same. When this all took place, all I could think was I need to get a microphone and go out and speak to people and find out mm. what they think because uh, – also, like you, I'd never been to a protest. Mm. I was, I'm not a protester. I sure am now. Mm. But uh, for a, quite a while leading up to that, and I'm sure everyone can relate to this, I felt alone. Yeah. I had one other friend who agreed with me and was standing by me, but mm. that's all I knew. So I wanted to get out there and speak to people and find out who they were and why they were there. Mm. And it turned out that um, they were all just like me. Mm. And, I, and, and I very quickly started to meet people who I could really relate to and cut, uh, jump forward several months to right now and I'm completely in the thick of it, just like <laughs> you three ladies are. Uh, so it's an interesting journey and it's an interesting turnaround and it's amazing what, and I don't want to sort of get, really deep here but uh it's amazing what a a, a, a calling can do for you mm. uh, whether it's a calling from god or what i don't know um but it was certainly a calling and i can tell you right now it's just it still today is what feels right to me so i, I i'm assuming that you all feel the same kathleen what about you uh how long have you been a, a minister for my gosh, now you have to jiggle my memory a bit. Quite a while, I'm Qu assuming. Quite a while. Um, probably going on for over 40 years now. And would you have ever imagined that you would have been a protester? Well, I've never been orthodox anyway. Right. Uh, that's why I'm an independent church. Um, I don't like segregation, but being here and being involved in politics as well as trying to re-establish in people's lives the knowledge or at least the connection with God or something divine. Uh, no, look, I was quite happy being small. Right. And now it's got really big <laughs> and it doesn't quite fit yet at times. But like you, I think, how did I actually get here? Mm. I'm not Isn't sure. Isn't it fascinating? Yeah, it is fascinating. 
Jay, what about you? Um, you're emceeing rallies. Is that the first time today? I'm, I'm going to make an assumption that you've done it a few times before. Um, I've actually only done it a couple of times. Okay. Yeah. You seemed pretty comfortable up there. You seem like you know what you're doing. I, I feel comfortable because the people here make you feel comfortable. It's like a big family, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's it is. It's just like talking to your friends. That's what that's well. That's what we're doing. We're we're talking to our friends. So it's not you know you don't feel uncomfortable up there because we're all here for the same reason. We are. Yeah. Um, I am a little bit of a seasoned protester, though. <laughs> I'm not a renter crowd. Pleased to meet you, Jay. Um, but I have protested before. You're not a renter crowd. I feel really strongly about. Um, and this was just a given. As soon as I knew there was protests happening, I was there. As long as I wasn't at work, I was on the protest. I'm surprised I met you earlier, actually, because mm. um, you've been up in Perth quite a lot. But uh, Tracy, the question I'd really like to ask you is that as you, um, you're obviously doing a lot of um, on the street work, door to door, meeting your constituents. Mm -hmm. Generally speaking, what's the sentiment out there? That's a great question and, and um, I, I honestly think the people that I have spoken to are looking for change. Um, and so, yeah, I come to the rallies and I've been coming to rallies for a long time and so everyone here is awake. But, um, you know, I was in Harvey yesterday just sitting in a cafe and, yeah, there were some people there that, that I met that I hadn't met that knew I was coming and they were – you know, it was fabulous. They were all, you know, welcomed me like they'd known me for years and it was the first time I met. But then I went out into some businesses and um, it's not easy walking into a business and saying, hey, I'm Tracy Aitken and I'm running for the Great Australian Party and for the Cedar Forest in the federal election. It's quite overwhelming, to be honest. Yes. Um, and something I never thought I'd ever do, a bit like Kathleen, it's kind of like I have to pinch myself sometimes. Am I really doing this? Well, yes, you are, so get moving. Um, so I think, um, you know, just... Jeez, Jay. <laughs> just talking to, you know, people, I'm, I haven't actually felt a rejection from people, you know, and I've mm. done some door knocking, I went all through the town of Augusta a week or so ago, and just people are really welcoming and lovely and I haven't got a clue who they're going to vote for but we've had some great conversations and I think a lot you know most people that we talk to when you start asking questions and find out what their pain point is and everybody's pain point's different mm. and as a qualified counsellor um, that's something that I can do and but it's part of who I am I I love listening to people and I love hearing their story. So it's a natural, it comes very natural to me. Mm. And, yeah, I've had the training. But I, I realise that, you know, when you start talking to people and you hear what they're saying and, you, and you, they, you know, we all recognise that this country's broken. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I pulled a number out of the air uh, at some point just recently and uh, I said that 85% of Australians, I believe, want to see the back of the major parties mm. someone said to me how do you get that number because a lot of people think it's roughly the same and I said well it's easy you take half of the population you can you can guarantee they they're sick to death of the government over each and in fact 
just the government in your life all the time. And on, and I said, and then take half of this, the, the remaining half and those people are feeling it now that just, they haven't really come to that clear understanding mm. of, oh, well, that's what I'm actually feeling. Mm. But um, I think it's pretty safe to say, generally speaking, everyone feels like um, we've been getting sailed down the garden path mm. for the last, yep. last 20 years. Yep, I agree. We don't have any manufacturing here yep. anymore. The government has gracefully uh, allowed our industries mm. to fade away into the dark night. Yep. And, uh, you know, there are so many solutions out there that they haven't, they've just simply not looked at, like repurposing of businesses. Um, tell me, ladies, uh, have you ever wondered why people have this fallback position of saying, well, there's nothing we can do about it because we can't compete economically against China. I reject that argument out of hand. Um, any comment? Yeah, I reject that comment out of hand, absolutely. Mm. Why do people say there's nothing we can do about it? Because Australians have never, as a combined force, stood up against anything that the government has done. Mm, yes. Any change that mm. they do, any legislation they've brought in in the past, Australians can complain about it for three days or a week or two weeks and then it shrugs your shoulders and I should be right, mate, get used to it and carry on. Isn't it fascinating? I always think, I mean, there's, there's several moments in our contemporary history, if you like, um, that really stand out in my mind. But let me take you back to, uh, I guess, what is it, 20 years ago when the GST was getting first announced and pushed through. We went through, I believe, roughly seven years of, you know, it got brought up by Liberal. Labor said, you're crazy, you crooks. They got voted out. Then Labor tried to bring it in and Liberal said the same. And it went, it was like a ping pong ball going back and forth until the Australian people got sick of hearing about it. And they just gave up and went, oh, okay, and, and it went through. Then if you do a little bit of research, you see, you, you find out that uh, the GST was a condition of a World Bank loan that Australia took, which um, uh, that outrages me. Absolutely. Mm. I'm outraged that they've sold my country. Mm. Yeah. How dare they? How dare they? How yep. can I? I can't go to another country in the world and buy 10,000 acre farm, I can't. I can't even go to another country and own a business outright unless I've got a partner who is a national. And yet the government allows most of my country to be sold? Yeah. How yep. dare they? Um, leasing gigantic masses, um, uh, land masses to the Chinese for a dollar. Absolutely. Up in Darwin. Absolutely. Disgraceful. We're actually being surrounded through government agreement mm. and we're sitting here like sitting ducks. Darwin, Meriden Airport is, mm. right? Sold for China, a dollar, I think. Well, rented. Leased. Leased for 99 years. For a dollar. Mm. Absolutely. And, and what is it, Albany Harbour as well? So we've given over uh, most of our industries to China. We certainly give away, and I'm going to use the word give away, our natural resources to China. And I say give away because 
we sell it to them cheaply only to buy back a finished product off them. And um, we allow them to take control of, of massive amounts of land. It's incredible, isn't it? Mm. It's treasonous, actually. Jay, why aren't more people outraged about these just simple truths? Because Australians, again, this is just my opinion, um, Australians are apathetic. Always have been. Like Kathleen said, they've got this attitude of, oh, she'll be right. Oh, someone else will fix that. Yeah. You know, it, they are apathetic. And I, I've said this for years and years and years. It's, they just think either someone else will fix it for them or what can I do? I can't do anything. I'm just, you know, Joe Smith living down Yeah, the it's the defeatist attitude is quite a And a lot of them have no idea what's going on in this country. You know, if you look at the population, the majority of our population lives on the East Coast. Hmm. You know, if they can go down Chapel Street and buy a nice frock and have a decent coffee, they're happy. That's their life. Mm. They don't really care about, as long as they're okay, people are not only apathetic, they're actually selfish. They don't care about their fellow human being. There's a lot of that going on, isn't there? There's so much of that going on. You mm. know, they, I lived on a remote Aboriginal community for 18 months and people have no idea what's happening out there. You know, I'd get people going, oh, you should do this, you should do that. You know, people sitting in Sydney having a cup of coffee telling me, how and what I should be doing out on a remote community that they've never been to. They don't understand it. Yeah. And in fact, even if you were talking about something going on in Perth, I think that the rest of Australia don't really understand Western Australia. No. I'm from the East Coast and You're I... forgiven. Thank you. I've been here for 15 years now. Welcome. I... <laughs> He's a, he's a West Coast lad you. now. You might, you might have missed out on rolling out <laughs> the red carpet for me there, Jay. But um, look, uh, I recently had a conversation with a, another independent media person um, from Melbourne and we were talking about um, how do we raise funds just to simply keep going because obviously we're all going broke really quickly and we have a desperate need to try and get the message out. Uh, and he said, oh, it's easy. You just do this, this and this. And I said, mate, I'm already doing all that. Um, it, me, to say Melbourne and Sydney are extremely different environments than to, to, to Perth, it's not, a, it's not a stretch at all. It, Perth is like a little country town and the rest of WA is like remote communities kind of thing beautiful places, beautiful people, but just a completely different environment. It surprises me, I must say, that people over here aren't a little bit more fighty, have a little bit more spirit, just generally speaking, just because, um, you know, we don't have those massive big cities where people become um, insulated in their isolation. Do you know what I mean? Where, you know, these big cities people kind of try to keep to themselves, whereas in country towns, everyone knows each other. So I still think it's a little bit funny that we don't have a thousand people in the park today. And a thousand's not a lot for the area, but um, particularly also when we're heading into the most important election in our lifetimes. If, Apathy. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I'm sorry, but I'm, 
actually now on the organising committee for the rally. Mm -hmm. And I think I understand why we get small numbers. And, and I take my hat off to everybody that's, that's ever been involved with organising this and bringing it together. This has been an incredibly long road because they meet every Saturday. Yep. Not one Saturday a month, every single Saturday they're here. And I think when people come regularly, but you don't see anything that looks even a little bit like a win. All of this work and all of this meeting and all yeah. of this rallying and chanting and everything, and nobody brings anything to the table that says, look, look, we won an inch today, or sorry, I'm old, right? I'm talking yeah. inches and things. You know, we, we got two centimetres out of something today. And you know, I think that's why people perhaps lose a bit of heart or enthusiasm because we don't see a win yet. You know what? It is hard to see, but I do believe that there is change. I do believe that we are having an effect. But it's a slow, I mean, we're fighting a monumental battle, so it's not going to happen overnight. And I think that people just expect things to just suddenly click and change. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to people, we need to fight hard. Um, I'd just like to reach out to Robin. Robin's one of my regular followers on this channel. And I'd just like to say, hello, Robin, how are you? Um, and we had Chris on here before as well, who I think is another regular guest. Um, what do you reckon, Tracy? You, you're going into politics. How are you going to change this? How are you going to yeah. reach out into the hearts of those people? Well, I think um, one of the things that, I mean, there's been a massive onslaught of many things, but mm -hmm. this thing of isolation, um, that all these mandates and things has caused. But with that has come a sense of hopelessness, I think, too. So I think for me, if I look at, because I've been coming to these rallies for months, and if I look at the numbers here, I can easily get discouraged. Mm. But I also understand um, going through my cancer journey, I, I had to actually, my biggest challenge was what was between my ears. So it was a huge a huge journey one of the things that I learned was not to have expectations on people yes. because they said some silly things to me and then I'd get hurt and all these things and so I really live my life like that now so if I come here and I have an expectation that we're going to have a thousand people and of course we don't then I can feel really let down so what I also understand going through that journey of cancer was that life goes on so I was kind of stuck. My life was on hold for a period of 18 months because that's how long it took of intense treatment. And But I was also said to my family, you know, life must go on. And, I, and there's so many parallels of that journey that is true for today. And I think we are in this situation that life is going on. Now, people might disagree with that statement, but life is going on regardless of what else is going on around us, yeah? Mm. So what I mean by that is, is it's healthy for families to go and play footy today. You know, there was a lovely lady that comes here every week and she was talking to me during the week and she said, oh, look, I'm really not going to be there Saturday because it's my girl's birthday today. And I said, you know what, sweetheart, I release you. Go and be with your family. 100%. So we can't judge people 
just because they don't come, you know. So I think if we just realise that I believe that there's a lot of people out there that support us and have other things that they're doing on the weekend, um, you know, family comes first, there's all sorts of different things. So I think that we just have to realise too that there are still a lot of people who are asleep and those of us that are, that are awake, we're carrying the nation. And that's a huge responsibility. Look, I know things are changing now um, as the mandates are beginning to be lifted. We, you know, we can go and have a drink in a pub. Um, we're going to do a changeover, just everyone who's listening. We are going to change the guests over just in just a few moments. But um, what I'd like to say is that um, I noticed that, you know, during the time when you had to, ha- you had to show your certificate to get into the pub, I had friends who, well, obviously I'm, a fly-in, fly-out worker. So I'm talking to other fly-in, fly-out workers who have all had the, the, the triple medical procedure um, starting to complain to me about the fact that, oh, you know, all we want to do is go and have lunch at the pub, but you've got to show all your certificates and then you've got to, if you want to go outside to have a cigarette, you've got to show your certificate to get back in, in, in the doors. And I said to him, so you took the jab and you don't have the freedoms that you were promised? Oh, yeah, it really, really pisses me off. And I'm like, well, why didn't you just say that in the first place? Um, So I didn't take the medical procedure and I have all the same freedoms that you do. And sure, I couldn't go and buy a case of beer or a bottle of wine for quite a while, but the old Jimmy Brings... 19 days. Yeah. Yeah. Marky Mark forgot to mention that uh, the home delivery services weren't going to be affected there and everyone cottoned on to that real quick. And if that wasn't there, uh, there'd be an alternative come up from somewhere. You can't stop human nature. Um, as much as they think they can, they're going to get a rude surprise for fairly quickly. Ladies, before we switch over, is, is there anything you would like to say? Anyone who wants to... Anything you want to bring up that we haven't spoken about yeah, already? Yeah, I just want to thank you. Sorry, Jay. I'll just say thanks so much for all the work that you're doing. We thank appreciate you. you. Um, and thanks for coming all the way down here to Bunbury. And pleasure. I know you're coming to Margaret River, I think, tomorrow too. We're going to um, I think what we're actually doing is going to visit the seriously jabbed, injured person that's um, mm. from Bunbury. Yeah, that will be awesome. Bridgetown. Bridgetown. Oh, sorry. Bridgetown. Yeah, that would be fabulous. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. I mean, yep. I know it's going to be confronting. Yep. But um, it's a story that I Needs can't to wait told. to get yeah. out. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you for all your work that you're doing because we appreciate you. And, of course, everyone, if you want to support independent media, you can always go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Bellman Report. That's my video channel. And we'd really appreciate it if you went on there and just made even a $5 donation. Every cent counts and every cent's going to keep us afloat so we can keep visiting areas around the west of Australia. Um, done. Done. I'd Jay. like to say thanks as well. And ending on make your vote count. Mm-hmm. Dump the majors. Yep. Make your vote count. And Jay, I'm looking forward to having a great night out with you tonight. <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be interesting. From me, as much as this has been probably the worst time to experience, it's actually an opportunity of the best time to experience. For all the things that have gone wrong and all the things that have been taken away, we've been given a heap of opportunities 
to learn a whole lot more about ourselves and our mm. country and the voting system. Mm. And apart from those poor individuals who have been hurt, um, this was needed. This was necessary. Yeah. Because this is our opportunity of lifting out of a whole heap of darkness, corruption, lies that we were very, very ignorant of. Mm. And because of our complacency, we're now going to we, we're now going to have to face a little bit of pain. Mm. Absolutely. But it's going to be worth it. And I've got to yep. agree with you. Yep. Um, I'm going broke fairly quickly, but I'm having a, the time of my <laughs> life. I really am. I'm having a ball. Um, and again, it's uh, the kind of time, time of my life that I never expected to have. But um, every moment it has been worth it. So, ladies, thank you so much thank for joining me. And for, well, at the moment, we have had a few people on and off this live stream, but um, we will post it up later as an episode. So everyone will be able to join. Um, for everyone who is listening, which I think is just Robin at the moment, um, we're going to be back in just a moment. We're going to change over. Scotty's going to jump in the hot seat and we've got uh, a whole other list of guests coming up. So thank you, ladies. And thank we'll be you. back in just one moment. Thank, thank you. you. And I'm going to put my favourite tune on again, which everyone's getting thoroughly sick of.
And we're back, and now I am joined with, by Maylie. Maylie's running for the United. Uh, sorry, oh gosh, I swore, <laughs> I swear. Um, Australian Federation Party. Maylie, welcome. Thank Deb, you. welcome to you as well. Thank the organiser of today's event, and um, you're also from WA Conscious Businesses. Yes. Going to talk all about that in a moment, and of course. The preeminent, the man, the myth, the legend, Scotty from Scorpion Media. How are you, mate? Man, I'm doing good. Scorpion Media Group. We are here in we the here. beautiful, lovely Columbia country town. Oh, I don't well, it's know. A it's, beautiful it's, town. It, it's a It's a beautiful town. We've got beautiful people here, yeah. um, excluding me and Andrew with the Two beautiful ladies are they're both politically involved and they are doing amazing things. WA conscious businesses. Deb, you're doing all this stuff, helping the businesses fight the uh unscientific mandates. We've got a, a from Bridgetown? Bailing up. From bailing up. Yeah. Maylie is from bailing up. She's one with the Australian Federation Party. And we've got some good friends up in the north who are also with the Australian Federation Party. And that is uh Michael Colotti. Yes, yeah, Aiden Dr. Guru. Judy, who else? Aiden Guru. Aiden Guru, yeah. Dr. Judy. Um, Brent Fowler. Brent, Brent Fowler, yeah. Brent. And I've got to mention Luke, who he's not running for party, but he's Luke Patterson. Man, I'm giving you a mention, but you're out there. He's a big bearded guy. <laughs> yeah. And um, I have to use the wide angle lens hard. when I film with him sometimes because, you know, it, anyway, he's going he's to. Oh, we love but, you, Luke. But we love it. We love him. Anyway, look, what. Well, let's rock and roll. Let's get let's show on the road. Let's rock and roll. Maylee, tell us all about yourself. What brought you to stand up and join a political party? Wow. Well, it began when I first heard Peter Harris talking and met his beautiful family and their team and Judy Wileyman, and I just resonated completely. And I just felt these chest fireworks going off in my heart. And I just know when that happens, I'm like, all right, I'm onto a good thing here. And this is to be interested in that realm in such a genuine way. And it's strange to call it, it is politics, but it feels different with Australian Federation Party because we're all just so genuine people. And whenever I get nervous about speaking, they just say, no, it's from your heart. Just speak the truth. Yes. And that's what the whole movement, of course, when they asked me to fulfill this role, I was like, of course I'll do it. I'm there with you guys 100%. And there's no way I could live with myself if there was the empty seat of Forest without Australian Federation Party there. Yeah. And of course, um, the beautiful initiative to come back to the town hall meeting and engage directly with your constituents on, I believe it's going to be a monthly basis. Yeah. Wow, how refreshing is that? Yeah. And there's, it'll be on also two different topics and we want to take training sessions to get people interested in politics as well. So it's, there's a monthly town hall meeting to hear the concerns of our community or ideas. And there's also one that will run to, for people who want to learn about politics. Mm -hmm. And so they know their rights and they know where we all stand and to be free. And... I've got to mention um, the one thing besides the community engagement that I really, really um, find inspiring about Australian Fed Party is 
they've come to the table with an actual solution to the environmental issue that um, is debatable. But it's 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 quite. I mean, finally we've get we're getting a solution. Um, yeah. So that's really refreshing. Deb, free for humanity. We made a connection just the other night, didn't we? I, I've been dealing with you indirectly for quite some time, and yep. we finally made the connection. Yes. Yep. We tell did us on about. Wednesday. Tell us about Free for Humanity. What What's it all about for people so, who haven't heard? So Free for Humanity um, is part of was the website address that we use for WA Conscious Businesses. It's um, a website address that. Um, came to Paul Richardson, who um, I work alongside for WA Conscious Businesses. Um, he was sort of guided to that name and that's sort of the name we chose. So WA Conscious Businesses um, came out of Paul coming down here to a rally in Bunbury and spoke about the issues around the Oak Health and Safety breaches by businesses mandating these experimental untested, you know, hardly tested drugs um, in their work on their staff. And he created some documentation for friends and family to um, help like fight back and and highlight these health and safety breaches. And he, it sort of just stemmed from there. And when he came down here, Tanya and I just connected. We're all very similar, very light-minded, very heart-centered and we're, Tanya and I are like, I think we need, we think we need to help him. Like, otherwise he's just going to get overwhelmed and, you know, there's just so much demand for, for his attention. So we took on the role of, of helping him with that. And then we created WA Conscious Businesses from there. And since then we've helped hundreds of people, businesses and employees to try and fight back against these mandates. It's pretty tough because um, our systems have been set up over time to remove a lot of the avenues that may have been or should be available for people to fight this sort of tyranny, um, fair work is pretty much useless. Um, yeah, that it's just... Well, don't talk to me about fair work. I mean, <laughs> fair work, the Fair Work Commission was set up to represent employees exactly. and now yeah. it's um, flipped on its head and it um, carries the... It carries the government propaganda wing for the corporations now it does and um let's go back to the fact the absolute fact that no corporation or business conducted their own risk assessments for on behalf of or with their employees mm. and so well roll up for ju- for wa scotty sick thing it's actually unbelievable so uh, look i keep getting uh contacted by people from overseas going what's happening in australia and i go Thousands of people have lost their jobs in this state of Western Australia, but the Labor government has actually caused people to be sacked. One time I was at the uh, Parliament House, there were 70 nurses who had lost just right there at at that moment. It's actually, you know, uh, something that you would imagine coming out of a, a dictatorial regime, which is really, we are living in that. We are. Still, it's still happening now. You can walk. There's talk about some of the mandates being lifted. But right now in Western Australia, think about this. You can walk into a pub in a restaurant with no vaccine, sorry, the jab passport, but you cannot work in there. Exactly. It's sickening. It's absolutely insane. The government has lost its mind or they will have, some of them have lost their minds. But Scott, yeah. but Scott, um, 
Mark McGowan and indeed the other premiers had expert advice, expert medical advice. Well, you know, if, if you see that uh, the interview with, um, I think it's uh, Senator Ant- Antic, you know, the one where he looked at the, the advice they got and it was, he said it was a couple of emails. <laughs> and I think there's no, I think there's no scientific evidence for any of the, basically every single policy the government has done has been a complete utter failure. Fail, I mean, the mask, the piece of cloth on your face, they're still wearing them. Yeah. The, these people are still walking around with a mask, thinking that this cloth mask is going to protect them from something. It's it's they're insane. It's a, and, it's an IQ test. And it's isn't it fascinating? An IQ test. If you wear the mask, then you've got to have something. You're you're falling into this propaganda thing. And and isn't you, it fascinating that I mean the Pink Panther up in Perth made made this point to me just a couple of weeks ago that uh, where we've got this disastrous um, pandemic that we all need to run to the hills to save ourselves from yet the masks aren't treated as biohazards once they've been used they're just discarded in our waterways in our parks in our streets um everywhere you go you see these things lying around i can tell you a story about the city of bunbury tell Tell us us all about it hit us with it baby so the city of bunbury was contacted by um a person who will remain nameless to ask what they're doing about the disposable masks um, that are discarded all over the place that are, you know, considered a biohazard. Um, and their response was that when they're in a park, they just mow over them. So they get chopped up into little pieces. So I was like, well, then what happens? You know, I said, maybe go Spread back the and ask the, well, no, ask the question. So what happens if a bird comes along and picks up that little bit of plastic that thinks it's, you know, maybe a worm? And then they're ingesting, look at what happens with our sea life, with all the, you know, balloons and plastic bags and zip ties and fishing Mm. line and, you know, those ring things used to have on the top of beer, you know, beer cans. Um, You know, like, so what are they doing about, that was literally, that was their response. Oh, it's okay, we just mow over them. So they just chop them up into a million pieces and just leave them in the grass. It's incredible, isn't it? (laughs) It's it's a a word for that. It's called mix stupid. Yeah, <laughs> and the Mick Stupid is a, is yes, it is a direct reference to Mick Clown or what's what's the guy's real name? Oh, Marky Mark. Marky Mark. <laughs> Mick Mask. Mick Mask. Oh, there's, there's many of my friends. There's Mick Maggot. Mick oh, Stupid. Yeah. There's Mick. Can I say the c word? Can I just apologise no. to Rosie before McClown. I get in trouble? Rosie, it's not me. They're saying it. Uh, look, I won't swear. He's very very um childish in nature. When he speaks, his rhetoric is very childish and. He's, it's like he's throwing his toys out the sand pit when he has so a little funny, yeah, discussion about, especially when he's talking about us. It's like, what are you, five years old? Like, oh, Deb, you you're a, a moron. Sandpit? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, you should just grow up. Yeah. <laughs> I, like there's no – I actually plotted because I have, have a bit of a thing. I like numbers and I like analysing data. And I actually put into a spreadsheet all his little pictures that he provides every day for the whole month of February and March when February was sort of at the beginning of February was when all this sort of started to really sort of kick off. So for February and March, I plotted all his stats across the board and then I um, put him into graphs and, you know, we analyzed all that data. And Did you? Yeah. So for February and March, we had 6% of our West Australian population of, um, I can't remember how, is it 2.8? 2.8, something like that. Yeah, something um, like something that. Something like that. So 6% of our population ended up with COVID, 0.15% ended up in hospital, and 0.0001% died. 
Yeah. I'm sorry, but that is not, Mr. McGowan, a pandemic. It's not. It's not a pandemic by any stretch of it's the imagination. It's probably less than what the flu figures are. Um, you know, we had flus back in 2019. We had 350,000 cases of the flu and I think there was close to 4,000 people died, something like that. It was in the thousands. But we didn't test. They only would have tested 350 or, you know, like a number of people to get that. We didn't test. How many million tests have that done across Australia? Like more than our Australian population in tests. So in 2019, I'm sure if every single person that got a little sniffle or, you know, a little sore throat actually went and got tested, they probably would have had more than 350,000 cases of the flu. But most, a lot of people, not most, but a lot of people like myself and probably you guys as well, when we get a sore throat or a sniffly nose, we go and dose up on some vitamin C and yep. vitamin D. We take some zinc. We have hot soup. We, you know, we have know hot how showers. to look after ourselves. Yeah, put some, put some eucalypt. You know, make put some. I do mixes with um doTERRA. So I've got a flu rub that I put on my chest, and you know, and it goes away. Like within mm. a few days, it's it's gone. But if everyone had have gone off and tested in 2019, and 2017 actually was a big flu um, for us as well for Australia then we probably may have had similar numbers. I don't know. I'm like, I'm just well, surprising. Deb, Deb, did your... no, nothing's worked. Everything's been a complete failure. That, yeah. That's the whole thing, right? Yep. So that's yep. the, this is damage. Can make the kids wear masks. Do you know what they were doing in Western Australia? And i got to really hammer back. The Department of Education had kids in the same class. The year twos and threes were sh- double class. They were sharing the classroom. Split class, yeah. It was a split class, I guess. Yeah, that's the word. Yeah. They were sharing the classroom. The year twos weren't didn't have to wear the mask, but the year threes did. I mean, it's oh complete sight. It's insanity. There's, there's so some very the intelligent people out there that are not very smart. Well, isn't and it? And it goes back to Nick Stupid. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, well, isn't it fascinating that um, we heard over and over and over again that children or people of under a certain age weren't going to be affected at all? Yep. But now we're jabbing them. Mm, it's disgusting. And you can get free entry to Perth Zoo or get your face painted up in King's Park. Balloon. I'm sure you've had the same thing down here. And um, when we go up and question the nurses slash whatever you want to call these freaks, um, they concentration uh, camp yeah, of nurses, guards, Nazis. That's yeah. it. They um, they find it offensive that we have anything to say about it and that mm. we would want to put a camera in their face mm. and ask them to answer for their actions. Be accountable. Be no accountable. accountable. I'll tell you about it. Um, like our stats are, you know, there's over 120,000 people that have been adversely affected by these jabs and over 800 deaths at this point. Um, of which only 11 or something that the TGA will actually admit to. Um, you know, and that includes six, seven, nine-year-olds, a 12-year-old, like, you know, a whole heap of children in those in those stats. There was a drug that was approved by the TGA back in 2004 called Prexige, P-R-E-X-I-G-E. Google it on the – search it on the TGA website. You can check that what I'm saying is actually correct. In 2007, they banned the drug – because they had eight serious liver adverse effects, including two deaths and the requirement for two liver transplants. Eight, 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 and two deaths. So we've, even if you go on, um, forget about the 120,000 plus adverse reactions. And, you know, when I was going toe to toe with a reporter last year, at the time there was 1800 myocarditis cases. I'm like, well, let's forget about at the time the 80,000 adverse reactions. 
let's just look at the 1800 myocarditis cases. Mm. I said, that's more than eight and it's certainly more than two. And our 11 deaths that the TGA have agreed, like agreeing is due to the vaccine is more than two. So why are they still continuing on that rhetoric? And a myocarditis case- The numbers are much greater than that. Oh, yeah, yeah, they are. And you ask anyone in the medical profession, and we have a lot of um, nurses, doctors in in our freedom community that have lost their jobs because of this can I say it? Yeah. Bullshit. Yep. Yeah. Um, no, and they will tell you. Yes, you can say bullshit. Yes. Okay. Bullshit. Um, <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> Go on, say it. Bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, they will tell you that it's only up to 10% and it's closer to 1% of adverse reactions for any drug in history, I'm not talking just about COVID, are actually reported to the TGA. Yeah. So you could theorise and say that you could times that 120,000 by 10 which means effectively it could be 1.2 million adverse reactions. And this this shit is Indeed. still being allowed to be put into people's bodies. And those myocarditis cases, the, the prognosis is that after about five years, and I've confirmed this with a doctor and a cardiology nurse, that after five years, there's a chance that they may require a heart transplant. And, where, and it'd have to be a heart that's not being jabbed because their heart's buggered. I would use another word, but it's buggered. Um, so they wouldn't be able to put a jabbed heart back in that person's body. So where are we going to find potentially hundreds and hundreds of hearts in maybe five years' time for these patients when we in Australia have the lowest donor rate, like organ donor rate in the world? And she couldn't – she just like just looked at me blankly. They don't know anything. Deb, no. I think this is a great time to talk about a message that we've received from one of our listeners mm. It goes like this from Robin. Robin, thank you very much for your question. I spoke to a principal today. The WA Health Department recently called their school to ask if they could have a COVID bus come to the school to jab children. The principal politely declined. Oh, good on him. Thank Thank God. you. Please thank that principal for us. Tell him we all said yeah. thank you. It's a close call. It was a, it was Can a close call. Can you believe that there's actually moms and dads out there taking their kids? It's actually, I would, they're sacrificing their kids in a way. You know, we were at a tent and you could hear the kids screaming. Same here. No, yeah. um, no more needles, daddy. No, no more oh needles. And you can hear the kids literally screaming out of there. And I'm going, mm. the kid's not going to get die from COVID. No. They, they're not going to. No. And they're jabbing him with this stuff that could actually. Now, another guy that I know, he's not a kid. He's 35 years old. He got the jab. And he was exactly what you said, Deb. He got myopericarditis. And he was worse. Four, yeah. four days in hospital. Yep. And his case was reviewed in the recent Queensland inquiry they had over there with Rennick and uh, Senator Roberts. But the thing is that here's a guy who's 35 years old, a, a mountain biker, quite fit. He goes to hospital and he was hospitalized and he has myopericarditis. And the doctors, the, we documented 10 cases of malfeasance, actual 10 instances mm. where the medical profession in WA had they lied? They first, you know, what they told him. That's a drop me? in the water. They told him it was uh, indigestion. He mm. got a prescription. It's stress, anxiety. anxiety. Yeah, uh, they got everything. That, it's completely controlled. But hey, Scotty, um, sick. We all the know. Profession is completely corrupt in well, WA. Yeah, absolutely, well, it's Apra. Australia. Apra yes. are the responsibility of that. That's their Jeez, I'll tell you what, Maylie. If um, I think Maylie needs to throw <laughs> something in there. Get in Maylie, there, girl. If you if you have any mm-hmm. success in um, 
your candidacy run, um, people like you, um, I hope, um, at least try to initiate an investigation into APRA. Oh, yeah. Because I tell you what, Absolutely. they've got and some a, answering a to do. They've yeah, all got absolutely. some answering to do, don't they? Yeah. And yeah. let's just mention really quickly that if you go onto the Bureau of Statistics, it won't take you very long to find out that COVID deaths in Australia rank 38th on the list of all deaths. And there was only up to the 31st of January, there was only actually 220 deaths that were solely because of COVID, not people dying with COVID. And we had the head of um, ICU in Royal Perth Hospital a couple of months ago, um, you know, was interviewed and said that um, of the, I think it was 109 cases in hospital, there was only like one or two that were actually there because of COVID. The rest had come because of other multiple traumas, was his words, not mine. So that's the comorbidity thing. Yep. You know, they might've been in an accident. They've got other comorbidities. Mm -hmm. Um, And he said, like, this is not an issue. You know, it's not an issue. So it's never been an issue. No. And if they into if they implemented some protocols to actually treat people, when in history have we not treated people properly? Japan have um, dropped all their mandates for you can still get jabbed if you want to have the COVID yeah, freedom jab. Freedom of choice. Yep, that's it. But they've dropped all the mandates. They introduced ivermectin, and their cases plummeted. India the same. Same in India. Yep, yep. and so in our other countries. Do you think the contracts that the Australian governments have put together, uh, signed with these big pharma companies. Do you think those contracts excluded ivermectin? I, I and yeah, other they can't get out of them. So these are, these are the contracts that I think we, we need to be um, exposed because I think mm. there's criminal charges. Mm. Well, if, if if we could see the contracts, who signed them? Well, there, one or two people maybe. I don't there, know. It's, well, there has been some um, circulated a while back now, and I know Professor Yearden, Michael Yearden, or yeah. um, is he doctor or professor? I can't remember now. But anyway, um, Michael Yearden. He's Yeadon, formerly a Pfizer, for, yeah. he, was, he worked for Pfizer for 16 years. He was VP for the last part of his term in, in employment, I think. Um, and he said in, um, in his, I think probably in his first video that he eventually came out and spoke, um, but he said in an interview that um, he's actually viewed what someone has ish- like given him, a whistleblower has given him a contract and he confirmed that that looks like a contract we would have done. So he's at, it's on a video. I don't know where, where it is. Don't yeah. ask me to find Maybe it. Maybe should, somebody somewhere. should ask Mark McGowan. Maylee, will you get in there? You're going to ask Mark McGowan if we can get these contracts. Dr. Judy, I think your team would do that, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. absolutely. We've said it in other interviews that there would be a full thorough investigation into you know, the whole situation. Absolutely. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, if we can get um, the Pfizer documents released under a free, under the Freedom of, of Information Act, mm-hmm. those documents also were going to be locked up for the next, well, I think it was like 75 years. years. 75, 75 yeah. years. So they're being released. Yeah. Now, God, you know, we've got to mention that. Those or any parent who gives their kid a jab really needs to think about why are you sacrificing your kids? Because if you look at those doc, that nine oh. pages of adverse reactions, yeah, yep. and I just look at some some information the other day that came out in the latest dump mm. reported. Uh, I forget the the network that reported it, but it said that it was like a twelve percent efficacy rate yes. with the twelve point five percent, and that um, it only lasts a week. So with the governments around the world are pumping out vaccines, sorry, jabs on people for this 
it's it's absolutely insane. We live in they're 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 insane and or evil. Well, uh, we've got to also point out that there's not in the best economic interest for a fire yeah. to, or for a pharmaceutical company to make you better. They're de- mm. they're they're they are the no. devil. They it's are. the best market. This this is the best product release would be in history. They've had to do no marketing because everyone's all these. All these governments have just jumped on board and bought this stuff. They've not had to spend one dollar on marketing, and we know, you know, tip in at that level of corporate entity, you know, their marketing cost to market a new product to market would be in the hundreds, if not millions, hundreds of thousands, if not millions. They've done no marketing because the countries have just lined up and gone, "Yep, here, give it me, give it me, give it me." Mandate, so, mandate, yep, mandate. It's cost them nothing to market this product. They've just had to make it. Then or, you've got doctors well, that are getting paid forty-five dollars a jab. Yes. To, to pump this into people. You know, we've got surgeries here in town that are, you know, pumping through hundreds of these things a week. You know, say, say even if it was 100, 45 bucks, that's four and a half grand a week, you know, and with no doctor consult because no one gets their blood pressure checked there. You know, they just get in, you tick some boxes and go in, they jab you and sit in the reception for 15 minutes and off you go. But, and now I just look, I'd just like to say that, did they need to do the marketing from their own? They use the uh, the mainstream media. Well, yes. So, yeah, and I, I reckon, I reckon it cost them yeah. a little bit. I mean, I reckon Mark, you know, Mark's just so bought a, a combination new house of, in Dalkeith. Yeah. He's just bought another house in Dalkeith. Pfizer so. death money. And he's bought a new house. That well, was to get it? him away from Rockingham. Or, or that was to stop him from well, staying in what? hotels in town, wasn't it? So, oh, yeah. yeah wink, wink. Well, I mean, isn't it fascinating that um, a He's had an affair, everybody. We, he's had an <laughs> affair. People in the office, apparently. We had a. <laughs> it was it was one of his you know, I, I, staffers. Stop, uh, yeah, apparently one of his staffers. Do you know the name of the per- oh, apparently. Apparently, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the rumor has it. The rumor has it. Wink, wink. Um, but isn't it fascinating that a bloke on uh, and his wife's I, left him apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Who would know? Hey, the, the media can't tell the truth anyway. The plot thick. It does yeah, thicken. It and does. um. I, I'm not exactly sure of how much he's getting paid, but I think it's about 300k a year, or a bit about 350. Is that right? Yeah. How do you afford a multi-million-dollar house in Dalkeith? Oh, geez, I wonder whether you got a payoff or not from Pfizer. Pfizer death money. I don't. That's just, I, I don't really know that for sure. We anyway, haven't seen the contracts. We're just. Well, I think we should moment. see the contracts, and um, <laughs> we'll get a, it's so we'll, much fun, isn't it? <laughs> it is. We'll oh, get it a is. lawsuit. That's why I wouldn't say the word What's on that? Wednesday. Like call him the. The word that got someone oh, else taken right. to court. Are we so to- I just call him the state controller. That'll oh, be the job. Screw him. Yeah. yeah. Screw him. I'll, I'll make a spectacle of it if you cause a problem for me, Mark. He can have my 2001 Prada if he likes. That's fine. Yeah, well, I've got nothing to give. <laughs> no, so, no, hey. Me neither. Yeah. <laughs> Half of bugger all is bugger all. So, you know. Yeah. Like, so, yeah. We've all got bugger all, <laughs> yes. haven't we? <laughs> all lost our jobs. Oh, I'll tell you what, Mark, you can have my buddy, my road, my road cast. The nine, I think we could just solve this with the nine pages of adverse reactions and just show the world that. Yeah. Exactly. And that would uh, stifle anything. Well, nine pages of deaths, including <laughs> Jessup. You know, there's even stuff coming out about pregnant women and uh, mm. there's no testing. Uh, the Pfizer documents are unbelievable and they wanted to hide this for 75 years. I think once mm. that if, if the mainstream media were actually to report on this stuff, yeah, I think nobody would. would you if so that's the mainstream they would, media, yes. they're guilty. If they did yeah. their job, they're guilty yeah. though. But they're not the real media. They're the propaganda no, yeah. arm of yeah. the, the government. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Well, Scotty, Scotty's got a bail. He's had a little bit of a problem today. I'm just going to um, duck off and uh, check the uh, 
see a man about a wallaby. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, um, we've been going for an hour and I think there were some beautiful moments. <laughs> See you, Scotty. <laughs> Come find your wallaby, Scott. Um, okay, so. He's just hopping away over there. Yeah, he's, a, he's got some funny terms. Hasn't he? Anyway, let's wrap this up. Um, Maylee, what would yes. you like to say to, in closing? Oh, thank you. And I am one of your words but they are increasing on this journey with Ausfed and I'm so grateful and I just want the people to know that Ausfed has we are true and we have true hearts and we want the best for all of us and please just keep talking get out there and show some support so we know that we're out there and find us on social media we have social media accounts find our groups and in your area and well Maylee thank, so thank you you're courageous <laughs> and I really appreciate you you thank you and PS put the majors last <laughs> vote the majors last Deb um I'd like to thank you guys for coming down to little old Bunbury town and um, and hanging out with us here um I think you know the big message is vote the majors last you know we don't we've been putting up with this tyranny for way too long now this is not the country that i grew up in for the last mm. 52 well up to um march 2020 was 50 years of my life and certainly not the country that i want to see my grandchildren and future generations or anyone's mm. I, I don't do this just for me i do this for everybody yeah. um and i don't want to see um the future generations you know maylie's got a little girl we want her to have yeah. a, a life like maylie grew up with and not what I, we grew up with not this controlling yeah. tyranny <clears throat> that's been created yeah. deb i don't have children but I, I sure care about them a lot. And um, and it's not just the children, it's our entire humanity that's yeah. at stake here. So yep. and yep. it is it is a topic that touches true to me because I'm my in my prime childbearing years and I am questioning, you know, if I do want to bring another child into this world and if I don't and then that's a massive sacrifice on my, you know, rights as a person and but yep. I am questioning it and I'm seeing you know, the next few years and that's why I'm standing up in this position too because I need to make a difference because... Maylee, you're not the first woman who said that to me. Um, I've heard that a, too. A lot, of, a lot of women are out there. I mean, isn't that um, so sad it is. To, yeah. to think that there are mm. people out there feeling that way? Yeah. And we're certainly, I mean, people are under this illusion that the population is growing out of control, but little do they know that... There's a lot of propaganda mixed in mm. with that. Mm. And if we stop producing and go backwards, there is data to show that that could have a catastrophic effect. Yeah. Uh, yep. So let's just let cool heads prevail and actually do your own research. Absolutely. I'm sick of people who just refuse to do their own mm. research but they can sit down in front of the tv and watch the footy every weekend and yep. then read the paper about who took an ecstasy pill or yeah kicked a footy really good yeah jeez yep. you don't have to go far like even all these cases with people you know heart attacks and heart you know people dying like shane warne and all these other you know um people of note um, mm. All uh, conveniently you know, around 52 years yeah, of age. I know. I'm 52. Like, luckily, I haven't been jabbed, hey? Mm. Um, but we don't want to lose you, Deb. No, no thank you. <laughs> um, you know, like people are like, oh, well, you know, there's always, you know, I had someone comments about, you know, our heart issues have been a thing for a long time in sport. And like, 
I'm 52 years old and I've never seen this many reports of this sort of stuff happening in sport. Like I just, I think you might be a bit um, delusional. Yeah, let me mention, I'm probably, I've said this so many times now, but uh, I saw this article in the paper and it's been on the news as well. Uh, the excuse is that, well, there isn't an increase in heart attack. What it really is, is that because of the lockdowns, people haven't been able to see their doctor and say that these things have gone undiagnosed and now we're just starting to see it because life's coming back to normal. Well, I'm sorry, but I guarantee you all of those professional sports people who are the ones being hardest hit, they all have team doctors and I'll guarantee you not one of them ever missed a medical appointment yep. during that time. Well, when have Sorry. we seen a A-grade football, like a, you know, AFL footballer or multiple footballers in one game in the change rooms on, what is that, ECG? And they had it that game a few, a week, a few really? weeks ago and they're on monitors. Like, oh my God. You know, that's. I don't oh, follow the sport, goodness. but um, I, I, I mean, there couldn't be a bigger waste of time, but um, that's shocking. <laughs> it is if you're an Eagles supporter at the moment and you sit there for two and a half hours and you get flogged, it's probably a waste of time. I'm an Eagles supporter. I just. <laughs> Nothing, sad, nothing but... <laughs> against the Eagles there. No, no. Um, I just have never found it intriguing. Um, I, I just can't watch it. But then again, that might have something to do with my father force feeding it down my throat for you know mm. twenty odd years, three three nights a week. Um, <clears throat> anyway, ladies, it's been fantastic to spend this time with you. Thank you, and thank you for being with me. No worries. Thank Thanks, you Scotty. So much. Scotty. Thanks, Scotty. I hope you found your wallaby. Thanks, Andy. Cheers. Thank Thanks, you. Andy.